0: I'm Mandy. The Midday Report. We round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in depth analysis, and eyewitness news reporters on the ground.
1: The Midday Report.
0: We are starting today, of course, in the Johannesburg city centre. Officials still battling to determine the cause of that explosion yesterday. As it stands, at the moment, one person was killed. 48 others have been injured in that blast during rush hour yesterday. And those pictures coming out of the Joburg CBD showing overturned vehicles, sections of Bree Street uh, being torn apart yesterday. What we know so far, and we've had various press conferences this morning from the Gauteng Police Commissioner. Uh, We've just had one that's just finished now from the Gauteng Health MEC. The Gauteng Premier has also had a press conference. Igoli Gas has put out a statement saying that uh, it, of course, runs that pipeline network in the city and it hasn't seen a pressure reduction. Its network wasn't compromised at all. Disaster management Teams still working on the scene the area remains closed for now various organizations collecting food and water for teams working on sites to keep those teams going and as you heard at ewn also there's been uh, concerns around a child that is missing that is feared dead as well we are going to take you to the scene and bring you all of those voices but really the question that this raises now is what does this tell us is this what a collapsed city looks like A world-class African city, that's the city of Joburg's tagline. And that facade has been eroded over the past years as the economic heart of South Africa has very much lost its sheen. Once a city of gold, it's now a city of squalor, pothole decaying. It's been a large-scale creep of disrepair. We see failed infrastructure, stolen traffic lights, hijacked buildings, uncollected refuse, water leaks, power failures, growing debt as well. But those images out of Bree Street last night are a powerful illustrator of what, to me at least, a collapsed city really looks like. Large swathes of upended concrete and overturned taxis, buildings being evacuated. One of the main arteries in the city was torn open along its length as an underground gas pipe ruptured in the city's bowels. And, and this is really an analogy for the growing rot within the city, spewing itself out into the open with this pungent odour in its wake. So we still don't know at this stage would actually cause the event. It's likely a, a confluence of poor maintenance and unsecured infrastructure, possibly a criminal element operating with impunity as well. But the reality is that the city of Joburg has been failed by its leaders and by the political parties that have been using it as a, as a bartering tool over the past decade. It's changed hands from one coalition to another. The current mayor, Aljamaz Kabelo Guamanda, did you watch the press conference last night? He's patently ill-equipped to handle the responsibility of steering the city. His lack of academic qualifications aside, he's shown a stark absence of leadership ability. He hasn't rocked up for key engagements. He wasn't available during the water crisis last week. He called in sick when he had to give his State of the City address answer questions. It was Housing Premier Panyaza Sufi and the City of Joburg MMCs that have really been running things behind the scenes. And you could see when Cabello Guamanda was taking questions last night that it just didn't do it in terms of leadership for us. And this is again another demonstration of how Guamanda is just a puppet for a political coalition that is playing loose and fast with the citizens of Joburg. And we have seen reporters and journalists telling us about how the ANC-led coalition wants to spend 2 billion rand on refurbishing the metro center. We've also had reports about city power's overdraft and how electricity and rates tariffs are set to spike, how we have more than 30,000 open potholes. And the concern now is how long will it take to repair Bree Street and the other streets that have been affected as well? The funds that are allocated to, the, to do these repairs, will they be misappropriated? What will be done to prevent such an event from occurring again? Joburg is in desperate need of capable, clean, strong leadership. And right now, it looks like a collapse city.
2: On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists to enable your business growth aspirations.
0: Let's take you to the Joburg CBD now. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, there for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Firstly, give us a, a picture of what is happening in the Joburg CBD right now, and what the officials are telling us.
3: Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, most roads close to the scene of the explosion have been closed off by the emergency services and the police. However, this is not stopping the residents who are commuting or going to work in the CBT uh, from continuing with their daily lives. And in fact, I can tell you, just in front of me, I can see a shop that is uh, open and operating uh, as normal and it is directly uh, uh, facing the place or, or the road which has been uh, destroyed by the blast uh, here in the Johannesburg CBD. And it seems like uh, 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 taxis also uh, that had been operating on that street have been moved to a separate street where they can just uh, formulate a, a, a sort of a temporary taxi rank there, where well, they'll be operating up until uh, the mess here or, or, or the, the rubble here is fixed.
0: You have also spoken uh, with the Mayor Cabel Guamanda, and other various officials who've been having briefings today. What have they said to you
3: At this moment at this moment, uh, we do know that there's only one fatality and about over forty injuries uh, from that incident. Uh, the city of Johannesburg is also telling us uh, that they 've had information that there's a child who is missing and who has not been uh, found, but there is no Case that has been opened with the police. So what the police are doing at the moment, uh, they've deployed their dogs uh, and their personnel to ensure or to check the area and the space to sh- check if the child could be engulfed or trapped uh, under the rubble uh, that was caused by this explosion here. Uh, the Joburg mayor saying uh, the city is very concerned about the quality of air here. Mandy, I can tell you uh, in about an hour after we were here, we decided to go buy masks because the smell of gas is just a little bit too strong. Uh, so the, you can imagine the people who are living here what they have to contend with. Uh, so the city of Johannesburg says it is awaiting a report that will let them know whether or not they'll have to uh, evacuate the people who are living in the buildings uh, near the scene of the explosion, as you would imagine, how strong the smell of gas is. But let's take a listen to what Joburg Mayor kabelo Kwamanda had to say about this. But what we have done for now is to ensure
4: that uh, the homeless people have a place that can be that they can be redirected to so that they are not out in the public because most of the casualties that we have uh, um, sustained in the city are pedestrians and and bystanders. Um, We are also assessing the the integrity of the infrastructure, the buildings on how the, the, the foundations may have been affected by the blast itself. But so far. None of the buildings have shown any sign of uh, caving in, which is at this point uh, fortunate for us.
0: Thank you very much to Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, who's in the Joburg CBD for us, uh, giving us that update. He mentioned there um, that missing child that the police are still looking for, the Gauteng Police Commissioner, Elias Mawela, holding a briefing earlier today. Have a listen to what he said about that.
2: It is this allegation that there is a child who's missing. And some other people, they were saying that, no, that child may be deceased, may be underground, things like that. So starting with this one of the child who's missing, we have deployed our, our dogs, which are trained to do search and rescue, to search for us in all those areas. But we could not detect any, anybody, or human body in that particular space. So for now, we call upon those who claim that their loved one is missing, let them go to the nearest police station. They can come here at Johannesburg, uh, Johannesburg Central. They can come and report to us and tell us that one of their own is missing, and we'll do the necessary to assist in terms of tracking and looking for that particular person.
0: Now, residents uh, in that area around Bree Street have been moved away. They've been told to leave that area yesterday because of concerns, as we heard from Alpha there, around this uh, this gassy odour. Disaster management team still working on the scene as well. Various organisations collecting food and water as well. But have a listen to, to one of the residents there, one of the eyewitnesses about what they're experiencing.
2: Seeing that this is so
5: close to where you stay, how do you feel? I am feeling scared my friend I am feeling very very scared.
2: Who do you stay with? That?
5: Sorry? Who do you stay with? Yeah, I'm staying with my family. Yeah, you see the situation the situation you never know what is going to happen next. I can I can say my building is safe. I, I don't know actually what what can what is the after effects of this what will be the after effects?
0: So what do we know about what actually caused this? Was it a gas leak? Was it an explosion? Goody Gas tweeting that it's unlikely that the explosion was caused by a gas pipeline or a leak. Uh, The network has experienced no pressure lost. So what exactly caused this? Could it have been illegal mining? Uh, Could it have been a criminal element? David van Weyck is the lead researcher at Benchmarks Foundation, joining us now to speak about this. David, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. In April this year, in the Financial Times, Joseph Cottrell wrote an article about how Joburg has descended into lawlessness and infrastructure collapse. And he described how Zamazamas are running rampant in Rivoli. And there was a quote in which uh, a resident said, The city is about to explode because of illegal gold miners who scare away the police, strip power cables and divert water supplies. But he also said that the city is on the verge of exploding. What do you think could have caused this?
6: Well, I think in the River Lee context, <clears throat> it is understandable because there is a gas pipeline that runs right through the middle of the township, the Sasol gas pipeline that passes Nasrek and passes uh, Soccer City and so on. Um, and so in that particular instance, any disturbance of that particular pipeline can cause an explosion that would be really, really disastrous for River Lee. Um, you know, and the the fact of the matter is that if we look at the city center, if you drive around Johannesburg, you are having the railings of the highways being stripped. You are having uh, substations, electricity substations being stripped. You are having uh, water supply systems being stripped, infrastructures being stripped left, right and center and sold to scrap metal dealers. Now, the reason for that is quite simple. People are poor and they are just taking off anything that they can find to sell in order to to survive. You know, we are in an economic decline situation in Johannesburg. The big mining companies have moved away. Most of the mines have been abandoned. And as a consequence, uh, we are having a really bad problem with, uh, on the one hand, unemployment, and on the other hand, payment for services because people who are unemployed can't afford to pay for services and so on. You know, so you, that, that is like a very bad situation to be in. We never plan for a post-mining economy in the context of Johannesburg or any of our other mining towns for that matter. And the the, the chickens are coming home to roost now. We should have planned 20, 25 years, 30 years, 35 years ago. We should have started planning. What are we going to do in large mining towns and so on when the mining companies move away? What is the economy going to be like? Because until that time, all the economy was in support of, of the mining industry. However, the, 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 Explosion yesterday had nothing to do with Zomazomas because that area there was not a mining area. Most of the mining areas in Johannesburg occur south of Main Reef Road, south of the East-West M2 Highway, um, and not to the north of it. You know, so right. um, that is a granitic dome. So that is completely unrelated. That has to do with uh, infrastructure that has not been maintained or in- infrastructure that is being plundered.
0: So, so David, I suppose this brings me back to to my original question now. And as um, they are trying to establish the cause of this, what, what exactly do do you think they need to be looking at in terms of of the cause? And, and and how do we hold people responsible here?
6: Okay, when 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 one manages a city, you should have a city plan, and the city plan should not be just about what is visible above the ground. It should be also a plan of what is visible over uh, under the under the city. Uh, not visible to the naked eye, but under the city. Now, Johannesburg started in 1886 or thereabouts um, in, the, in, the, in the 1880s, and a lot of infrastructure was put in at that time that became submerged under other infrastructure, layers and layers upon layers. So you need to go back in your planning right to the beginning and then reconstruct a model of what is going on underneath the city exactly and what can you expect from what is happening under the city exactly. That's how you do your disaster management. But each city in South Africa according to the disaster management act should have a disaster management plan that is available to all residents in that city. And I can tell you now you can go and Google for Johannesburg's disaster management plan, you won't find it. Um, A disaster management plan is based both on the historical layers of that city, as well as what you are doing currently and what you want to do in the future. We are Mm. going to transition away from coal at the moment to alternative energy. What are the implications of that? We transitioned from gas to electricity at some point. What was the implications of that? Mm. We are feeling some of those implications still.
0: David, as always, thank you so much for your analysis. Uh, David van Beek, lead researcher at the Bench- Benchmark Foundation, speaking to us about uh, this explosion. We still don't know exactly what caused it, but that does give you some more context. Uh, and we did hear the Gauteng Premier, Paniyaz Sufi last night speaking about uh, what, what, what could have been a better response from disaster management. And as David is saying there, that it is concerning about our lack of a disaster management plan when it comes to this event. And when you consider the fact that only... I don't like saying only one person because every life is valuable. But one person died when I first saw those images coming out. I thought that our hospitals would be swamped. I thought the fatality rate would be much higher. And this is very ominous, potentially, of what could happen.
6: Hi, Mandy. This is Eugene from Santon. Uh, regarding the explosion in in uh, Bree Street, I'm not sure if you're aware that uh, from the old J.P. Street Post Office and the old uh, Rusick Street post office. There were underground tunnels that re- led to Park Station for the transfer and movement of mail in the olden days. I watched uh, an Urban Explorer video where they went down into these tunnels in Joburg some time ago, but they said it was becoming dangerous because were our people living down there. So, you know, it, it could still be those people living down there that caused the gas explosion. Just a theory. Thanks. Cheers. The Midday Report day I, Mandy
4: Norman and Petoria? I think uh, what uh, the pictures depicted yesterday at the Joburg uh, CBD links uh, properly with what uh, what I would call a, a really properly illustrated and explained picture by the climate change and environmental impact, which normally our political leaders normally undermine. I listened to Bangani being yesterday talking to Mark Haywood. You know, if you listen to what you are saying and. Uh, linking to what happened yesterday, it's quite clear that the environmental uh, impact on climate change is having a great effect, and our political leaders must take that matter very seriously.
0: Thank you very much for your WhatsApp voice notes. So this is the problem now: is that uh, we we have so many theories about what what could potentially have happened because we just don't know yet. And as they are appealing for patience, we have to be patient to try and work out exactly what happened. Keep those WhatsApp voice notes coming. Uh, let's quickly change tack and have a look at what's happening in court with the Senzo Miiwa trial. Zandile Kumalo back on the stand today under cross examination, facing some tough questioning uh, today. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, there for us. Nokukanya, good afternoon afternoon to you. Uh, it's lunch now. What happened this morning in terms of the cross-examination cross of Zandile Kumalo?
1: Good afternoon, Mandy. So we are just uh, coming back from lunch as well, where the cross-examination will continue. Now, the defense lawyer of accused one and two has spent much of the morning just going back and forth, uh, clearing out and getting clarity about uh, some of the testimony that she's put on the record about uh, the shooting itself, how it played out, uh, starting from the very beginning with the two intruders coming into the house, just questioning exactly the tone that they used and the demeanour of the two intruders as they came in and Zandi's gone on to describe those two intruders as very serious and stern as they pointed a gun uh, at her. There's also been the question about, uh, you know, asking her to describe exactly what she saw, the, the gun that she saw, um, you know, when it went off, how exactly it went off, um, how soon after the scuffle between the intruders and the people in the house um, did the gun go off. And, you know, she's able to, to, to answer most of them, keeping to, uh, you know, her initial. Testimony, for the most part, uh, and that's exactly where we are now. Mandy, uh, continuing with that, it's still the lawyer of accused one and two.
0: And Nokukanya, how is Zandile Kumalo holding up on the stand? Yesterday, the judge was very stern with her. Uh, she was emotional yesterday as well. How is she doing today?
1: Emotionally speaking, I think Mandy she's a lot better than she was yesterday. Uh, in fact, even the the issue about her illness, her um, abrupt the, the the court having to abruptly end proceedings yesterday due to her complaining of chest pains is a, a matter that hasn't even um, arisen during proceedings today. She seems, uh, you know, m- much more put together than she was yesterday. Even having a back and forth about the sort of questioning and how the defence lawyer uh, Sepo is conducting himself, or the sort of questions that. He's asking at least. So certainly, she isn't as emotional as yesterday. But holding up her own this
0: time around, Mandy. Nokukanya, thank you very much. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the Senzo Miyiwa trial. The
1: midday report.
2: Hi, good show as usual, Mandy. You're on fire. Keep the ball rolling. Thank you.
5: Hi, Mandy, from Orange Farm. Mandy, you know what? I don't know, but I stand to be corrected. Something is telling me that there is illegal mining there. Why am I saying that? Listen to Panyazali Sufi and Igoli. They're not saying the same thing there. That's why I'm saying that, truly. And Mandy, you know what? If we're going to keep on being reactivated this country, I'm telling you, our country is vanishing, Mandy. It's vanishing. I suspect illegal mining, but I I stand to be corrected. Thanks.
0: Thank you very much for those WhatsApp voice notes. Yeah, at this stage, we just don't know what actually caused it. Uh, there's certainly uh, speculation that it could have been illegal mining, that it could have been criminals. Egodi Gas saying that it wasn't their network, and we are waiting now for this report. Uh, on the WhatsApp line, hi, Mandy. I bet you the previous executive mayor, Dr. Mapo is sighing relief that she's not leading the city council at the moment. This Bree Street disaster is going to cost the current City of Jovo coalition. That's from Rose. I don't know if she's breathing a sigh of disaster. A sigh relief i think she would probably want to be leading it right now in order to to resolve those problems um, but maybe it will cost the city of Joburg coalition the current anc coalition uh, that's being led there let's see maybe this will be the catalyst
2: the midday report with mandy wiener on 702 at cape talk brought to you by netbank commercial banking see money differently
0: on the Midday Report. Yesterday we had that breaking news on the show that Vladimir Putin will not be attending the BRICS Summit next month. Uh, So there have been developments today. Further court papers being filed today in that uh, DA action. The DA claiming victory yesterday after Vladimir Putin, uh, after that news coming out from the presidency. Uh, um, What do you think? Was that a DA victory? I'm not so sure if that's the case. The DA says that it is. Well, more affidavits coming out. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, following that for us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you We now have uh, quite a good indication of what was going on behind the scenes With the President, who he was talking to around this this matter The various BRICS leaders And uh, we also now know when Vladimir Putin may have made that decision What do we know?
7: Yes, good afternoon, Andy. So, a much shorter affidavit, um, a supplementary affidavit filed yesterday. Again, the president seeking to keep that one confidential. And again, the court not acceding to that request, uh, given that the president then subsequently, as we know, round about this time yesterday, made that public announcement. But uh, we now con- can confirm that, as we had suspected all along, that the president made the proposal to Vladimir Putin uh, during the uh, African leaders' peace mission. In uh, to Russia last month, uh, that he perhaps not come uh, to South Africa and attend the BRICS summit. Uh, the president said that his counterpart had promised to consider the proposal, speak to his officials, and then get back to him on that. And it now appears that he got back to President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, on Saturday. Uh, But the president, very unhappy that he was not able to speak to the presidents of India and China ahead of filing these court papers and ahead of making that announcement, uh, but in another affidavit from the Director General of the of International Relations, uh, Zane Dangle, uh, it now appears confirmed that all the BRICS parties have now been consulted about the fact that um, President Vladimir Putin will not be coming to South Africa.
0: Lindsay, thank you very much for that. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, telling us what those court papers say. Well, as I mentioned earlier, there have uh, also been other events taking place today. Durco International Relations, holding a media briefing on the BRICS chairmanship today in Rosebank. So we had uh, International Relations speaking about that. The community, business community, uh, also there today saying that it supports BRICS and it doesn't want to be drawn into geopolitics, rather focusing on economic collaboration. listen to Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, a BRICS Council member and the is courtesy of Newsroom Africa.
8: Economy ...and will grow extensively into the future. It doesn't mean that as a business community in South Africa, uh, we are only demonstrating interest in BRICS. Of course, we look at it as uh, an opportunity wherever there is economic growth potential and wherever our interests reside. As a country, the business community, that is where we tend to place focus, emphasis, and and resource as well. So talking about resource, uh, the business community is backing uh, the BRICS Summit. We are backing, um, of course, the opportunities that reside. We are not drawn into any of the geopolitics or any of the political discussions. Our focus and our mandate, as provided by the government, is very much to uh, focus on economic collaboration. Lastly, where are we as a council placing uh, our focus uh, now that we have the chairpersonship? It's in three areas, and I think this is a very important comment coming up. The first area is uh, we've seen a 44% growth from 2017 to 2021 in in BRICS trade. Uh, we are, however, a little concerned as South Africa on some of the uneven trade uh, trade statistics. So we we do run trade imbalances in certain areas, and part of what we are going to try and engage on, and have started engaging on already, and expected to be an area of focus, is evening out some of these trade imbalances, so that our people here in South Africa, small, medium, and large business, are able to be beneficiaries.
0: Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, a BRICS council member there, speaking on behalf of business and the business community about uh, its expectations and its support for that BRICS summit. And now that Vladimir Putin is not coming, we can stop talking about Vladimir Putin and focus on the actual content of the BRICS meeting.
2: The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener is brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk. Nedbank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider.
0: Over 200 South African firefighters left for Canada on Tuesday this week. They're assisting with uh, stopping very, very scary wildfires in Canada. This is the third batch to fly out uh, to that country. Uh, Over 17,000 square miles of forest have been burning since the beginning of the year. And the firefighters are from Working on Fire, that organization funded by the Environmental Affairs Ministry. So let's speak now to Trevor Abrams, who's the Managing Director for Working on Fire. Trevor, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us today. Tell us about this team that's gone over to Canada.
5: Good afternoon. So, yes, this is our third Zanzi 3 Shot team of 200 firefighters, 15 managers. And they are taken from our firefighters from across the country. Of course, there were certain criteria there to have at least three seasons of experience. Um, Their uh, fitness had to be of a certain level. But uh, these our uh, firefighters apply to go be deployed, and they've been selected in a process that basically screens our applicants um, you know, in terms of who's eligible to go and who's fit to go. So they are very excited. The majority of this team, in fact, have not gone before. There's about 24% of, of the team at the moment who's gone deployed before and 43% women.
0: Is there uh, also a hope that uh, these firefighters that go over there will develop expertise, learn other techniques perhaps, um, and will come back to South Africa with greater skills?
5: No, there's no hope. In fact, that's the reality. Part of the exchange we have is that we bring certain skills to the table, but as you can imagine, in Canada, it's a little bit different in many respects. For one, the scale of the fires are just something we've never, ever seen here in South Africa. And then some of the aspects of the vegetation, for example, we have trees there that have very shallow roots. In fact, it's like a plate around the tree. And when you have fires that go through the area, these roots get destroyed and they topple over very easily. And in fact, unfortunately, the two fatalities that Canada suffered, a young lady, a 19-year-old woman in uh, British Columbia, 25-year-old guy in Quebec, Both were actually killed by falling trees. So, you know, there are newness to the fire there. The fire burns underground through the peat. So you have to excavate the fire and extinguish it at times. And then also we have, you know, oddities like our encounters with the bears and stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Bears, interesting. (laughs) Trevor, as always, thank you so much. Trevor Abrams, Managing Director for Working on Fire, speaking to us there about this batch of South African firefighters that have been deployed to Canada.
1: The Midday Report.
0: So a rates announcement coming this afternoon. The Monetary Policy Committee of the South African Reserve Bank are sitting today to decide on interest rates. We saw inflation numbers out this week, much better than expected. It has slowed to well within that 3 to 6% band that the Saab then. So what do we expect from this afternoon? What do you expect from this afternoon? Mielana Mkabela, economist, joining us now. Mielani, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh,
4: good, uh, good afternoon and the listeners of uh, Radio 702.
0: <laughs> so Clement Maniatella, my colleague on 702, um, he's a prophet, and he told me that there's going to uh, be a rate increase this afternoon. But what are the, the real people who know about these things, the economists? What, what, what do you think is going to happen?
4: So before the inflation numbers uh, almost uh, uh, generally economists expected a, a repo rate increase of 20 uh, 25 basis point but like we have seen the numbers uh, that has probably uh, came out to shock uh, almost uh, everyone uh, and then we never expected inflation numbers to be uh, uh, below 5.5% um, uh, and inflation is 19 month low at 5.4%. Where, like, when you look uh, back uh, in in the same uh, in the same month at, at 2022 inflation was was at 7.8% uh, uh, so when you look on the numbers uh, where we are like now within the uh, target bracket of the reserve bank in terms of like uh, the situation that we have economically in the country uh, and then the easing of the inflation we expect uh, the reserve bank mpc to hold a repo rate uh, unchanged Uh, And then that will be in line with, um, uh, you know, the favorable um, uh, uh, changes from food uh, inflation uh, that has eased and then uh, transport uh, inflation that has as well uh, like eased uh, much with transport inflation. Because it is with around uh, 5.8%, uh, percent, which is really a, a, a very good number, so we can hold uh, for now, and then we look at how uh, this uh, this uh, 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 this inflation, you know, work out in the uh, in the September uh, MPC meeting. But I feel for now we can really uh, keep repo rate unchanged.
0: Mielani, let's see what happens this afternoon. Uh, Clement Manez said thinks we're going to get a, two, a 25 uh, basis point uh, hike. Uh, the economist, Mielani Mkabela, saying it's going to be a hold. We've had a long run of interest rate hikes. So let's see what happens this afternoon. I think a lot of people would be quite comfortable with with a hold at this point, considering what's happened over the last few months. The Midday Report.
1: Hello, Mandy. To your question Was this a DA victory? I will give you my stance on it. If the DA did not push and push and push as they always have to, we would not have the answer we had yesterday. So in that stance, yes, it's a DA victory. If the DA does not do these things, they just get voted out by the majority in Parliament. So, yes, well done, DA.
4: Good afternoon. Uh, I think, yeah, the DAE um, should be given credit uh, in its effort in challenging this Putini issue coming to South Africa. So, yeah, uh, I believe uh, as South Africans we should give them credit. Uh, this is
0: Eh Chlulani, I love your South Africanism, um, South Africanization of Putini. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's the view uh, about whether or not uh, the DA deserves credit claiming victory yesterday uh, after it uh, was announced by the presidency that Vladimir Putin will not be coming to Putini. Sorry, Vladimir Putin will not be coming to South Africa for the BRICS summit. The
1: Midday Report.
0: That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website, 702.co.za and CapeTalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The
1: Midday Report.